0: You're listening to the Packer Net Podcast Network. They can't be the Packers! Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the PackerNet Podcast Network. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. This is the tight end uh, NFL Draft Preview. We did wide receiver, football on that, that's done. Uh, the plan is in the next couple of days to get a uh, an offensive line pod up for you. I gotta say, um, <laughs> I feel like we're running out of time. Um, I don't think I got an early enough start this year on putting together my board. Um, it's massive there's so much information in it and I still feel some disappointment and frustration i guess with my lack of ability to uh, really you know rank this tight end uh, class you know we know that um, goody said this is one of uh, yeah, this is one of the three positions in this draft class that he, Singled out as being exceptionally good along with edge and corner. I really do think that he is fully intending to uh, dip early and often into this tight end class. I, 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 all signs are pointing that way. I mean, there's just no tight ends in the roster. Um Are they going to bring back Mercedes Lewis? We don't know. Even if they do, you just don't have enough guys there. And um it's not even the comments that Goody made to Larry McCarran a couple months ago. But even back at the NFL owners meeting, Goody was talking to the media and they asked him, you know, kind of to tip his hand about if he was going to uh, take any swings at tight end. And um, he refused to answer, but he was just smirking from ear to ear. I mean, this is clearly a position that he's um, interested in, in this draft. Uh, So I do think it's really important before we talk about the available tight ends in this draft to talk about what the Packers needs at tight end are. So the Packers um, have three distinct positions that they employ that all have tight end next to their name on the roster. Okay, you can use any tight end that you have in any of these capacities, but obviously they prefer to have a guy who has the skill set and and physical traits to do the best job so that you have these distinct types of tight ends. And the really easy way to differentiate between these three is just to picture the three guys that they have had doing these roles over the past few years. And so your first type of tight end is just sort of the, the prototypical Travis Kelsey. This is called your dual. I tend to think more so of this type of tight end being lined up in the slot a little bit more. Um, The numbers sort of bear that out, but it's, it's not, that's not typically where you find this tight end. So obviously in the past few years, this has been Robert Tunyon previously. It was Jimmy Graham. Um, and you do typically find this tight end lined up in line, but there's a lot of, uh, routes run. This is, this is a guy who, you know, the, the defense does have to account for as a receiving threat. You know, when Mercedes Lewis runs out there and runs a route and catches a pass, it's kind of a surprise. It's almost a trick play. With Robert Tunyon, it's expected. All right. This is certainly the easiest type of tight end to picture. And I think, I kind of would say I think this is the easiest type of tight end to find in the draft. I mean, most of the tight ends that you have heard of or that you are thinking about do fit this mold. And, you know, uh, uh, Dalton Kincaid, huge name in this draft class, prototypical dual tight end. He's, he's basically just a large wide receiver. Um, you know, the, the, the issue comes with that a tight end needs to be able to block. <laughs> and so even though your dual tight end does run routes and is one of your primary, uh, pass catching Uh, offensive pieces, you still need him to be able to block. And uh, Robert Tunyon's uh, blocking grades via PFF usually were never very good. Um, I always felt like he actually was a a pretty impressive blocker, just in terms of, like, the eye test. And, you know, I, I, I was not the biggest fan of Robert Tunyon while he was here, but... I think that there was a lot that he brought that was valuable. And and I think about some of the times when we had him, um, you know, the, the San Francisco game early on in the year in 2021 is one that always comes to mind. When I think about Robert Tunyon and this was Yash Nyman in one of his very first starts ever for the Packers going up against Nick Bosa. And I remember they put Tunyon over there on his side and helped, you know, had him help chip block uh Nick Bosa all night. And you know, there there were some there were some pretty impressive reps, in my opinion, where Robert was was putting Nick Bosa, you know, back on his butt. <laughs> Again, Tunyan's grades, his his blocking grades were never good. But as far as the eyeball test, I thought he did a really good job um a lot of the time as a blocker. So you already probably know where we're going with the other two. Uh, The Mercedes Lewis type, which has been Mercedes Lewis for most of the last few years. That is your inline tight end, sometimes called your Y tight end. And the name of the game here is you have to be a good pass blocker. Obviously, run blocking is a big deal, but... I think pass blocking maybe is the biggest difference between the dual tight end and the inline tight end is that on a lot of pass uh, passing downs, you're going to send Robert Tunyon out there to run a route and you're going to have Mercedes Lewis in to help max protect the quarterback. I will just give a caveat though, that if we're trying to look at blocking grades, from these college players. I think that maybe there's only so much information we can glean from it because in in a perfect world, and and I think that with, with a lot of positions like maybe edge rusher or running back, some of the stats and grades are just kind of more straightforward. You know, with edge rushers, you're looking for guys who are getting home to the quarterback, you know, that are creating pressures. And if the pressure is a sack, great, that's even better. And, You know, there's not so much nuance there. You know, there's obviously you have to take into consideration, you know, is the guy doing what he's supposed to on this rep? Is he in the right spot? Obviously that matters. And run defense and setting the edge and all that, that does factor in. But, you know, typically when you are evaluating edge rushers, how well they are doing rushing the passer is pretty black and white yeah you know, as as long as you aren't hung up on the difference between you know how much sacks mean versus pressures mean if you're if you're just looking at how many pressures you're creating it's it's pretty black and white I think with with tight end and blocking there's some nuance here because number one as a tight end you're often going to be physically outmatched by whoever you are going up against as a blocker. Um, If that other, you know, if, if that defender is an NFL player. But a lot of the time, a tight end is just one of the most freakishly physical and huge players on a football team. And so a lot of them can just kind of get by by being bigger than everybody. And that's, you know... Fa- factors in in a, in a kind of a big way into how you block in college is just not everybody you're going up against is an is an n f l player and so you know you might have some shrimpy little pass rusher who would never make it in the n f l and and that's the guy that you're assigned to and you're six foot five two hundred and fifty two hundred and sixty pounds something like that you know you can just be bigger than him and then there's the question of why are you back to pa- to to pass block or or you know at all instead of being out there running routes does that say more about you as a negative in the receiving category than it says positive about you you know as a blocker so these are just some of the the nuances that we have to Take into consideration. I think this is why tight end is a challenging position to scout, because it's it's just not straightforward. You're doing different things all the time. You have so many different types of responsibilities. And as you're trying to evaluate a prospect, I mean, unless he's just across the board, great at everything he does and super athletic. You have to make some judgment calls here about, I mean, like even (laughs) Michael Mayer, okay? Um, I'll just give you just a little preview here. You know, similar to when we did wide receivers, I have the tight ends here broken into tiers. You got tier one, which is um, athletes who were productive in college. Tier two is just athletes who didn't meet the uh, production thresholds. And then tier three is guys who are productive but not athletic. And I'm just going to tell you right now, Michael Mayer actually does not fall into any one of those three. And spoiler, I think Michael Mayer is going to be the best tight end in this draft. But he doesn't qualify for any of those. And it's actually not due to a lack of information. It's just that he is not high enough in any of those categories to meet the thresholds. So Michael Mayer. The, the, <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think about. So Michael Mayer's RAS, relative athletic score, is a 7.62, which is not bad. But it's certainly not up there with Darnell Washington at 9.88 or Luke Musgrave at 9.77. Uh, Griffin Hebert out of Louisiana Tech is a perfect ten. There's there's actually a ton of nines and even high nines in this class. And uh, I see one, two, three, four, five guys who are in the eights. All right, Michael Mayer is down in the sevens. Seven six two is lower than what the Packers like to take in the really early rounds. In like round three, they do kind of relax their athletic thresholds a bit and, and maybe just swing for a guy who, uh, you know, according to our rubric would fall more in the tier three category of, of guys who were productive, but not quite athletic. And so at that point, a seven, six, two would be fine. Don't get sidetracked. I am not saying that Michael Mayer is only going to be taken by the Packers. If he's available in round three, that's not what I'm saying, but it is interesting that, the guy who is the most talked about in this draft class is actually below what we presume the Packers athletic standards are. He's also, believe it or not, (laughs) he doesn't meet the production metrics either. So you're looking, you're looking for, um, we're, we're using Paul Noonan's, uh, our uh, wide receiver OPS metric, which measures your uh, production as a receiver. And we're looking for a value of 0. 0.8 or better. Michael Mayer comes in at 0. 0.796. <laughs> um, so he's, we're, we're looking for eight or better in the RAS. We're looking for 0. 0.8 or better in the wide receiver OI, uh, uh, OPS. He is below both of those uh, thresholds. And I actually also have a further requirement here for just being in tier three, which is productive, but not athletic. I want you to not only have that 0.8 or better, uh, production as a receiving threat. I also want you to be average or better in pass blocking, run blocking, and receiving. Michael Mayer has a 91.6 receiving grade. He has an 82.1 run blocking grade. Dude's got a 52.8 pass blocking grade. I still really like Michael Mayer. I still think Michael Mayer is probably going to be the best tight end in this draft class. But it is interesting that we can't really fudge these numbers (laughs) and get him even into tier three. On our rubric scale. And I don't quite know what to do with that. I just think that tight end is a very, very challenging position to hit on. Apparently it's also a challenging position to talk about because I just realized that we never touched on the third type of tight end we have on this roster. We call the third type an H-back. Okay, So think uh, Josiah DeGuarra. Think uh Danny Vitale, who was listed as a fullback on our roster. Think Dominique Daphne. Matt LaFleur calls this position the F. Um, colloquially we call it H back. Um I've I've kind of started to get in the habit of calling it an F. I'm disappointed and frustrated that I can't find a a resource out there that will help me analyze how many um, tight ends in this draft class spent any time in the backfield. Uh, PFF doesn't have it. No other resource I have found has that data listed anywhere, but the H back or the F is an interesting position. Um, I have a definition here. Uh, this is on uh, sports by the, uh, well, it's by Rick Saratella from the, is it the NFL Draft Bible? No, just Rick Saratella. Um, and he's got a de- definition here. He's talking about uh, in the NFL, there's a certain height threshold of under six foot three for most teams at the tight end position, which makes it difficult to designate a player there full time. These prospects usually fall under the H-back category. In scouting, oftentimes these players are too big to play fullback but too small to be implemented at tight end. Some teams identify them as tweeners and remove them from their board entirely, typically making it a bit more difficult to earn a spot on a 53-man roster. Somebody else that I was just reading a couple minutes ago mentioned, and I remember that just a couple years ago there were only two teams, no, there were eight teams, there were eight teams in the league that had a fullback list on the roster. And this was during the time period where Danny Vitale was a Packer. And this article I was just reading mentioned that now more than half of NFL teams have a fullback on their roster. Once again, I'm curious if whoever put that together, tried to lump Josiah DeGuara in there, or just went by what those guys are actually listed as on Uh, on their NFL rosters, which Josiah is listed as a tight end, which is accurate. He's not a fullback. He's a tight end, but this uh, H back position is, is an interesting one because they wear many hats. You know, I mean, I think that's already true of tight ends in general, but this is even more. So you will see these uh, players line up with their hand in the dirt in the backfield, um, handling some fullback responsibilities, You'll see them with their hand in the dirt lined up uh, as an inline blocker uh, with some offensive line duties. It's, it's an interesting position, and I want Matt LaFleur to utilize it more this year. Uh, there's a player out of uh, North Dakota State this year, Hunter Lupke. He's listed as a fullback, but he really. Um, He played a substantial amount of time as a tight end and an H-back and a fullback, Uh, you know, according to the scouting reports that I've read on him and, and have seen a couple of plays where he clearly was, you know, handling those types of responsibilities. He's actually not on this list at all because I have a separate fullback list and I don't fully feel comfortable because I'm not going to watch every single fullback in this draft class, I don't feel very fully comfortable deciding who that has fullback listed next to their name is actually a tight end to split them out myself. I think Hunter Lupke really probably should be listed here with the tight ends, but I mean, he's, you know, everybody calls him a fullback. He's, he's entering the draft as a fullback. Let's talk though about the uh, tight ends in this draft class. I do have snap counts for guys who were inline blockers um I have snap counts for how often you were run blocking or or pass blocking who was uh, who did the most pass blocking It was um holy moly Caleb Warren of Rhode Island had four hundred and ten pass blocking snaps that is absolutely insane <laughs> four hundred and ten. Second highest was Jamal Turner out of Toledo with 99. <laughs> that's, uh, Caleb Warren, I don't know that you are a tight end, sir. Uh, you, you might just be a tackle, my friend. The funny thing is, uh, <laughs> Caleb Warren didn't even grade out as a good blocker. 53.6 pass blocking, 57.9 run blocking. How many, uh, he only gave up 19 pressures. I mean, I guess that's, you know, that's it's pretty high. One sack, 11 hits, seven hurries, 19 pressures. Six foot three, 245 pounds. This <laughs> doesn't really matter. This guy's not going to be a Packer. All right, full disclosure. I recorded all that at 2.30 last night, and then I went to bed. So, uh, good morning. I'm going to finish this pug now. Um, we and I we have to take an ad break because I did not do that yet. We're going to do our sponsor break, and then I'm going to break down the specific individual tight ends um, who do meet what we're looking for, for the Packers. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. All right. So, for starters, um, in terms of thresholds for the Packers, we're looking for guys who are six foot four or taller for uh, traditional tight ends. If we were looking for an H back, although you know I think we like Josiah. If we're looking for another H back, you could look at a guy who is six three or shorter. Looking for a guy who is at least two hundred and forty five pounds. Actually, that eliminates a ton of players. I'm not joking. Um, so your your stereotypical traditional NFL uh tight end draft prospect, the kind of guy who gets talked about a lot, they all measure in at virtually exactly 250 pounds. There's a bunch of guys in this class who are substantially smaller than that, which surprises me. We've got a lot of 229, 220, 217, 235, 221, uh, what are some really shrimpy guys, 230, 235, 234. Here's a guy, 180, 510, 180, there's no way this guy actually thinks he's a tight end. He went to Davidson, that's in the Pioneer League. 59.6 Fifty nine point six overall grade, uh, seventy one point six pass blocking grade. Forget that guy, though. We're not drafting a five ten tight end. No offense to him, but no, thank you. <laughs> you can play something else, at fullback or something. I guess I don't know. Um, and then uh, forty time, we're looking for four seven or better. And then for a three cone, we're looking for seven two five or better. And that's really about it. We got f- those four thresholds. That limits us down to just five total tight ends. And those would be Luke Schoonmaker, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Josh Weil out of Cincinnati, and Zach Koontz on Old Dominion. You have probably heard of Zach Koontz already. So that's just five guys. So we're going to – if we want to talk about more than just five tight ends, we're going to have to be a little bit more lax in some of our um, standards here. There's a couple guys. So the three-cone – is kind of the one that's limiting us the most here so I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm going to clear out uh just specifically the guys who have bad three cones because part of the problem is here we have quite a few dudes who just don't have a three cone so let's see who all we can just get like an incomplete grade for so uh that would eliminate six guys who are uh in one of our three tiers which would be. Lackland Pitts out of William & Mary. Davis Allen from Clemson. Ben Sims from Baylor. Chancellor Brewington from Nebraska. Here's a name you might have heard. Braden Willis out of Oklahoma. Uh, He has been a top 10 tight end for me. Um, Let me see here. Thomas Greeney out of Albany is the sixth guy. So uh, Lackland Pitts out of William & Mary. He meets all of our uh, production Thresholds that we're looking for. His RAS is a little bit lower, probably dragged down in part by his very poor three cone and forty. So he'd be the only tier one guy for us. Overall, I'm, I'm really not disappointed about eliminating any of these six guys. Now, having said that, there is one guy, Michael Mayer. <laughs> Again, he's like just on the cusp of getting eliminated from like a ton of stuff. And his three-cone is a seven two six. We're looking for seven two five. Not gonna quibble about quibble about a a what is that a hundredth of a point? We don't care. I'm not eliminating Michael Mayer because he's point zero one points off on his three cone. Let's talk about um height as the, you know what? Let's see, we got some forty times. Let's look at the forty times and see who doesn't make the cut based on forty times because I think this is a little quicker. Because the only guys you might have heard of. Uh, I guess there's really only one dude, and that is Payne Durham out of uh, Purdue. Now, you, you've got guys who didn't make the cut on their 40 time, but also didn't make the cut on their three-cone time. So this is guys who are already eliminated by or or who have a good enough three-cone but are being eliminated because of their 40 time. It's it's uh, Purdue's Payne Durham. Um, overall, doesn't seem like a super exciting player anyways. I had him as my tight end 20 is a 67.6 PFF grade. Um okay receiver, poor blocker, mediocre athlete. Um subpar college production. Uh looks like he spent the most time lined up in the slot and then the second most time uh in line. So he had 305 snaps in the slot last year, 210 in line. Um, did not pass block very much. Uh, I mean, I guess 48 snaps is respectable. You know, if we're looking at like 99 is, is the high end 48 is okay. 327 run blocking snaps, but a 56.7 overall grade. He did get up two sacks, uh, and three hits <laughs> on his 48 pass blocking snaps, <clears throat> which, uh, I don't, I had, I don't have a column that, uh, Calculates what percentage that is, like I do for offensive line, but that I, I know that's high. Um, and then he made 86% of his uh, targets were reception. So Payne Durham, you are out. I don't even think I said what his 40 time was. 4.9, which is pretty slow. Now, I don't think that <clears throat> your 40 time is the be-all, end-all for tight ends. And if there was somebody who seemed like a fantastic prospect otherwise, but had a slightly slower 40 time. I'm not going to be concerned about that in the same way I would for wide receiver or even running back. Um, But you know, again, it's, it's basically just Payne Durham here and I just don't see anything else anywhere else in his profile to really make me that excited about him. So the other two things to eliminate guys based off of, I mean, you could do age, but I, I don't think we should, They got height and weight, but this is the interesting part. And so this is, I'm not going to eliminate guys, but I'm going to single out the guys who are on the shorter side. Cause we think about them a little bit more in the vein of a, you know, uh, that H back role. So the, um, the most interesting guy to me here is Sam Laporta. He's my tight end three in this draft class. <clears throat> Everybody knows Sam Laporta out of Iowa kind of a tight end factory. Um, It's got an 80.1 overall grade, fantastic receiver, pretty uh, subpar run blocker, uh, just kind of mediocre pass blocker, uh, very athletic, 9.01 RAS. His uh, production was only a 0.75, which is considerably lower than what we're looking for, but um, he still makes the cut because of his RAS. So you got a guy who is, um, athletic, but not productive. That's puts him in tier two. He only played 10 pass blocking snaps last year. He's primarily a receiver. <clears throat> he did run block 289 times out of 381 total snaps where he was lined up as a tight end. And, um, he is one of the highest dudes in this class in terms of, uh, how many snaps he took out wide? 66, which is, of the guys that I currently can see on my board, there's a couple guys who are hidden. But I put him second overall. Most of these dudes are like 10 snaps or less out wide, so 66 for Sam Laporta is pretty significant. Um, he was not in the slot very much, only 97 times. <clears throat> um, most of these big-name dudes are... Well into the 100s, so 97, a little bit on the smaller side. You know, and and uh, Iowa's offense is completely uninspiring in every way possible. Um, I'm, I'm not going to look at all into the decisions <laughs> that uh, Brian Ferentz made when he was uh, figuring out how he wanted to run his offense, but I do just wonder how much of that is going to change when he gets to the NFL. He was a little bit of a shorter guy for a tight end. Um, you know, how, how is he going to be used in the NFL? Cause he, you know, based on what he did in college, kind of seems, seems kind of like that prototypical receiving tight end, the dual tight end. He didn't spend, you know, a, a massive amount of time as an inline blocker, but also you know, playing in that crummy Iowa offense. He was not very productive there. Uh there's there's just not a lot that you can glean, I think, from his college production about how he's gonna be used in the NFL. His weight for his height, I think, is pretty good. He's he's got some beef to him. He's two hundred and forty five pounds, which for a six foot three guy I think is okay. You know, you're you're looking at a lot of these six foot five tight ends, two inches taller, who are about two hundred and fifty pounds. So uh kind of a beefy guy. He's got Big hands, ten and a quarter inch hands, um, thirty two inch arms, uh, ran a four six forty, nice fast three cone at six nine one for a tight end. That's that's pretty good. Uh you know, everything else is right in line with where we want it to be. Um he's a young dude, only twenty two point three years old. Now I think Laporta is a borderline first round prospect. Kind of depends on where Darnell Washington goes, but I think that a lot of teams are going to have Laporta as their tight end two Um, overall. Maybe their tight end three. Scouting report here. uh, NFL Draft Buzz, who I've been enjoying this year, runs wide receiver routes in addition to tight end routes. His route tree is massive, showcasing his football IQ. Very reliable target on passing downs. Very rarely drops a pass. Let me check that. I should have that stat. Drops. Uh, he has six total drops on 90 targets. So, I don't know. I mean, I think that's slightly high. It's not awful, but it's it's a little high. Um, <clears throat> his, uh, of catchable passes that were thrown his way, he caught 82% of them. Not terrible. Slightly lower than what I'd like, I'd like to see, um, but it's not terrible. Uh, Weaknesses. Has a long way to go as a blocker. The grades back that up. Against an edge rusher, he will frequently lose. Let me see here. Um, pass blocking 63.4, run blocking 53.1. Uh, currently a liability in run blocking. I would agree. Due to somewhat limited usage, there's a small sample size of his tape. That is true. He didn't play very much and he only had one touchdown in the season. Yards per route run. Decently high for a tight end, 2.16. That's on the it's uh, on the positive side of average. Uh, let's see player comparison: Tyler Higby, LA Rams. Sam Laporta, while having a long way to go as a blocker, is an effective first down converter. He will flourish in an air raid offense such as the Chiefs, or be underutilized in a run heavy offense such as the Titans. Bad news for us. At his best, he is used to create. He's used to creating mismatches against linebackers. At his worst, he is used as a run blocker. He showcases above-average IQ, which will translate well as he begins learning from NFL coaches. While he currently locks in blocking technique that is easily fixable, and he shows great willingness to learn. Being that he is one of the only bright spots in Iowa's offense, his stats are not reflective of his true talent. At his current draft value, consider him great value in the third round and beyond. He's a reach in draft... Rounds 1 and 2. I think that uh, this is a nice uh, full picture of Sam Laporta. Seems to me that as a Packers tight end, it's not the perfect fit. I would call him a developmental Packers tight end. Which, to be fair, every tight end in the NFL is going to be developmental. But if you're a liability in run blocking, I don't know how much playing time you will see. Uh, your rookie year as a Packer. So, I like Sam Laporta a lot, just as an individual player. As a Packer, I'm not as high on him as I am on some other guys. Alright, the only other shorter guy that I want to highlight here, really, oh, I don't know, I guess there's a couple guys, but Griffin Hebert um, out of Louisiana Tech, which is in uh, Conference USA. He's a tier one guy for us based on production and athleticism. He had a at 10 RAS, um, his overall grade was 61.4, largely dragged down by a horrific run blocking grade of 35.8, which I think might be the worst run blocking grade out of any tight end that we're considering at all. He is six three, 229 pounds, um, okay receiver, um, hardly did any pass blocking, kind of a minimal amount of run blocking. Uh, he lined up in the slot kind of a lot at 132. Griffin Hebert to me, <clears throat> I think as a, as he, he's definitely a tweener type. I think he has a lot more in common with wide receivers than he does a tight end. Very athletic, but very undersized. And it seems like the lack of size maybe is contributing to him being a poor blocker. Does not seem to be on most people's minds either. Um, in terms of scouting reports that are available, there's not much out there. There's some interviews with him. Um, our lads has a scouting report that doesn't really have much in it at all. There's nothing here. This is the only scouting report I've seen on Google, and there's, it's blank. Uh, Griffin Hebert, five facts on the Louisiana Tech football wide receiver. I'm, I'm telling you, everybody listening was a tight end. I think he's just a bad wide receiver and is trying to make it as a tight end. But he's freakishly athletic and was a productive receiver. I guess I don't know how to justify that. Like He was very productive. He's very athletic. But he's trying to make the move to tight end despite not having the size to play tight end. So I wanted to highlight him because of the 10 RAS. I think players like that are interesting and he is a tier one guy, but just way too small. I I, I just way too small and from a tiny, tiny school. I don't think that um, a guy with as many question marks and limitations as he has is going to draw any attention to little old Louisiana tech. I think you'd have to be kind of a freak um, you know, kind of the way Christian Watson was to draw this attention. So I, I would guess he's not really a consideration for the Packers. All right. Lastly, for the guys who just are not a perfect fit physically, um, you have the guys who meet every uh, threshold except for weight. And so we got a 239 pound guy who's six foot four. We got a 217 pound guy who's six foot four. The 217 pound guy, it is Jaleel Billingsley out of Texas. He's my tight end 28. Does not grade out very well at all in any category, but he is very athletic. An 8.01 RAS. And I'm, I promise you that is the most interesting thing about him as a prospect. I'm sure he's a nice dude, but as a tight end prospect, the 8.01 RAS is the only interesting thing about him. Will Mallory... From Miami, on the other hand, 239 pounds. He kind of just misses the weight the weight threshold by six pounds. Uh six foot four and a half. Um again, not fantastic overall grades. Um, he his run blocking is poor, 36.6. Very high RAS, 9.04, very productive in college, 0.85. Uh, you'd love to see that. Spent a substantial amount of time. In line, uh, for as much as he, you know, spent time run blocking, 251 run blocking snaps, the 36.6 run blocking grade is disappointing. As a pass blocker, he took 40 reps there. He gave up two hits. Um, those were the only pressures he had was two pressures that were two hits. Actually, I'm being told we have a guest in the studio. Hello. You feeling chatty? You want to come say hi to the people? Did you just wake up from your nap? All right. Which of these tight ends should we draft? Can you say dead? Hey, you've been watching some highlights with me when we sit on the couch. What do you think about Darnell Washington? He's a very controversial prospect. All right. Thanks for coming on here. Do you want to come on again sometime soon? Okay, Uh, Will Mallory out of Miami. He's a late prospect uh, projected in like the maybe fifth, sixth round. Sky Airport. Mallory can move the chains and has the skills to stand out in the red zone with sneaky foot speed and long stride to top producing tight end. Oh, And long stride to top producing tight end. Good burst off the snap, quick hands, and good balance to gain a clean release. La, la, la. This is all stuff about what kind of receiver he is. Here's an interesting one. He's a creative runner with good vision in the open field. He'll contribute as a run blocker on the perimeter. He's also a possible return specialist. Just a weird, weird thing to say about a tight end. That's just just weird. Whatever. Okay, weaknesses. His ability to track the ball is good enough, but Mallory too often let the ball get into his body downfield rather than snatching it with his hands. He lacks the twitch to create consistent separation, and despite his size and ability to track the ball ball downfield, he isn't great on contested catches. Let me see here. Uh, In total on catchable passes, he had 84%... Uh, reception rate, which is okay. Uh, passer rating when targeted, 109.6. He did have a fumble, two drops. C- contested catch rate, here we go, 38.5%. Not great. Okay, is a bit high-hipped and slow to get rolling. Frame limits upside as a blocker. Again, he's kind of a later round prospect. Um, I don't, I guess I don't see a ton here to be super excited about. Um, because despite the relatively high RAS still seems like he's just a little bit limited that he's not a super bursty guy and not super strong either. Uh, he's only in the 48th percentile, um, in terms of his bench reps, he's in the 12th percentile for his weight. He is, I guess a slightly shorter, slightly on the shorter side, but he is six foot four and a half. That's not terrible. Small hands, short arms, small wingspan, just an okay three-cone. Overall, I mean, you know, there's not nothing here, but I'm not excited about him either. Switching gears, this is what you came here for. These are the guys with no question marks in terms of any of their athletic abilities. Um, I mean, of the guys that we we're about to talk about, the only concern here is uh, Noah Gindorf out of North Dakota State. He just doesn't have an RAS, just incomplete information. Um, Okay. So there are six guys who meet all of our thresholds. And there's another couple guys who have some incomplete grades. Darnell Washington did not do a lot of the agility stuff, so he's incomplete. Uh, Same with Noah Gindorf I just mentioned. So Really, it's, it's it's five guys plus Michael Mayer, because Michael Mayer, you'll remember, he was just .01 uh, points off on his short shuttle. So, we're going to fudge that rule with him just slightly and include him in here. So, we've got six tight ends who match everything we're looking for physically, plus an additional, mm, I'm going to say three who have incomplete grades. So we're going to start with the four guys who are tier one. They are athletic and they were productive. That would be uh, Luke Scoobmaker, Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington, and my guy, Tucker Craft. I'm not going to talk about Darnell Washington because you know who he is. Um, I'm also not going to talk about Luke Musgrave very much. Here's the only thing I'll say about Luke Musgrave. Very small sample size in college, both in 2022 and in 2021. And I don't see a ton that I really love about him. I think he's fine, but not, he's not one of the top tight ends for me. He's fine. The interesting thing is though, as a receiver, he actually does meet and exceed the thresholds we're looking for for productivity. Now, based on, <laughs> based on what you see from him in an average game, He's not that productive, but he had a couple games, and again, his, his sample size was so small. But he had a couple games where he just stood out so much as a receiver that it just raised his average through the roof. So he's got a point nine four productivity. Remember, you're looking for point eight or better, and then point nine or better means you're, you know, kind of, uh, kind of great. So he's point nine four. This is actually the highest out of any of the guys that we are going to be looking at uh, on this list. Second highest would be Darnell Washington at 0.925. So 0.947 for Luke Musgrave is, is pretty good. Um, he's in 9.77 RAS, not a good blocker at all. Uh, that's something they will have to teach him, but he only took three pass blocking snaps in college and he gave up one hit. So that will hurt your overall grade. His run blocking, he only had fifty-four snaps. Again, the guy just such a tiny sample size in 2022 and 2021. Uh fifty-four run blocking snaps. Um as a receiver. Well, I guess I don't know about as a receiver. He had um he had thirty-one snaps where he lined up in line, six out wide and twenty-three in the slot. I just there's just there's so little that I feel like we can really gleam about what type of a player he is from this tiny sample size. Like, you like what you saw, but you saw so little of it. And again, you know, he's got just these these two games, really, that just blow all of his averages just through the roof. So 3.38 yards per route run is massive. Everybody else who's on this list is in the high ones or the low twos. He's 3.38. Uh, he was on the Felbans freak list for 2022 at number 27 overall. Currently projected to be a, an early second round pick. So the Packers are picking at 45. He's currently consensus pick number 45. Uh, let's see here. Contested catch rate, 33.3%. Pretty easy to do the math on that one. He had <laughs> just three contested catches. <clears throat> one touchdown in 2022, 132.4 passer rating when targeted, one drop, no fumbles, zero missed tackles forced, um 15 total targets, got 169 yards. Short story here is there's a lot of people who are just super geeked out about him because of his athleticism and because of his one good game in 2022 uh or I mean sorry, uh, 2021 I just – there's just – it's such a small sample size for this Oregon State prospect. I just – I have a hard time signing off on it. Maybe the, the Packers just really do get geeked out about him and about what they think his ceiling could be. I, it's just too small of a sample size, and I feel like you, there's a decent amount you would have to teach him when he gets to the pros. But, again, that's going to be true of just about every tight end. Um. All right. Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan. I watched Luke play um, a lot last year, and I was just kind of always un, um, uninspired, underwhelmed. <clears throat> He's a good, very good pass blocker. Seventy nine point six uh, pass blocking grade. He allowed zero pressures on eighteen pass blocking snaps. He run it was run blocking three hundred nine times. Earned himself a 55.7 grade. You're not going to see a lot of these guys with good run-blocking grades. Um, Michael Mayer had an 82.1. Nick Coller up out of Minnesota had an 82. Those are both very good. That's about it in terms of the top tight ends. Nobody else was really that good. Uh, Noah Giddorf had a 73.5. That's the third best on the list. Um, so Luke Schoonmaker, <clears throat> 148 snaps in line uh 56 in the slot. I think maybe, you know, you're looking at this guy who's six foot five, two hundred and fifty one pounds, kind of smaller hands and shorter arms, and pretty good athleticism. I think that your temptation would maybe be to try and make him your inline tight end. But I think I think he's a pretty decent receiver. Um, I'm not going to call him like an upgrade over Mercedes in general, but I think you could see how he could be an upgrade in a year or two over what Mercedes has given us over the last couple of years. I think you could see that. Um, I'm not the biggest Luke Scootmaker fan in the world, but I acknowledge that he kind of checks every box that you are looking for. And it seems like Goody really likes Michigan. Uh, like, like some Michigan players. I really wouldn't be surprised if Luke ends up a Packer. Tucker craft though, is kind of my guy. Um, what I really like about Tucker, oh, you know what? I got to do the scouting report on Luke Schoonmaker. We can't just leave that hanging. <clears throat> Here we go. Luke Schoonmaker, uh, NFL draft buzz. Here's the highlights, the, the pros. Uh, an impressive athlete who improved his stock at the combine and pro day displayed serious agility. As he put up a three cone in the 95th percentile, as well as elite explosion with a 97th percentile broad jump has a strong athletic frame with room for an additional 10 pounds of muscle mass, which I think would put him a little bit more in line with, you know, kind of what Marseille's look Marseille's Lewis looks like you, you know, you've, if you put 10 pounds of muscle on a skid, he's six foot five, 260 pounds, I think that probably would help him in the run-blocking game and and maybe the pass-blocking game as well, although he's already a good pass-blocker. Soft, reliable hands center the big target for quarterbacks. Shields the defense and will let the ball into his pads to protect it when about to absorb a big hit over the metal. Has surprising deep speed given his large frame. He ran a 4-6-3-40. This will be a matchup issue for linebackers at the next level. Yeah, Scoon... I'm kind of getting a little bit more sold on Scoon. It's, it's always interesting to me when, like, I look at a guy, I look at his profile, I look at all of his numbers on my own. I'm like meh, and then I talk it through out loud on the podcast. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, there's something there. Schoonmaker might be the guy. Weaknesses doesn't really display power as a run blocker. Yeah, his run blocking grade is is his low grade. He'll need to improve his strength significantly to be a full-time tight end at the next level. In in other words, if you're trying to turn him into your inline guy. Schoon has consistently ran a limited route tree as a senior in 2022, and before that was featured very little as a receiver in any fashion. Is a bit stiff as a route runner, showing only average flexibility and burst out of his breaks. His ball skills are just average and doesn't fight for the ball as much as you would like is an overaged prospect will be 25 as a rookie. Here's their summary. Luke Schoonmaker is an impressive athlete who has a nice combination of size, length, speed, agility, and overall explosion and finally put up decent numbers in 2022 for Michigan. However, prior to 2022, Schoon was virtually invisible in the passing game and so has a very limited body of work to review. His ability as a run blocker is just average and will need to bulk up to be effective at the next level. Pro teams hope that Scoon will become a much better pro than a college player and as a developmental prospect. He'll likely be taken in or around the fourth round of the NFL draft. One more thing I want to look at for him. Let's look at his uh, receiving stats here. Contested catch rate zero. Um, let's see. Contested... Did I not include contested, just the raw contested catches total in my board? Cause I don't know if he had any contested catches he attempted here. So that's a failure by me. I gotta put that in there later. He did have two drops, zero fumbles, uh, three touchdowns. He did haul in one. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm looking at the wrong guy. Looking at the wrong guy. All right. Schoon. Uh, contested catch rate 28.6, missed tackles forced one, drops two, fumbles zero. Touchdowns three. Virtually identical across the board to Tucker Craft, who we're about to talk about, except catchable receptions 88%. So catchable passes thrown your way. How many did you haul in? or er, 88%. Pretty good. Um, I'm going to officially ink Schoon in as my... Mercedes Lewis replacement. Tucker craft is the next guy we're talking about though. He has a hundred percent receptions on catchable targets. He was targeted 38 times. Uh, 27 of those were deemed catchable by uh, who was it by uh, SIS sports info solutions. 7.7 <clears throat> 7 yards after the catch per reception. That's quite high for tight ends. He had 348 yards, three touchdowns, passer rating of 125.8 when targeted, nine missed tackles forced. I love Tucker Craft and his game. He's young, 22.4 years old. That's more than two years younger than Luke Schoonmaker. Um, nice big broad jump, nice, uh, of, of, uh, 10 feet, two inches. His vert was 34. Um, his shuttle was good for a tight end, 425. Three cone was 708. Oh, good for a tight end. His 40 time was 4.6. Pretty good for a tight end. Uh, nice big hands, nice long arms, nice long wingspan, 254 pounds, six foot four and a half as a pass blocker, which he did 12 times, gave up zero pressures. Uh, He lined up 95 times in line 51 times in the slot and only uh, 18 snaps out wide run blocking 215 snaps. He had a 69.6 run blocking grade. What I love the most about Tucker, besides the fact that he hauled in 100% of catchable targets. uh, What I love about him is that he is solid across the board. Every single grade or metric that we are looking for, he's above average. He's not elite at anything except for he does have elite athleticism. His RIS is 9.67 out of 10, but he is solidly well above average in every single category. Overall grade is 79, receiving grade 76.6, pass blocking grade 72.5, run blocking grade 69.6, his college production was a .85. We're looking for at least .8 or better. He's just solid in everything. A uh, small school guy, which I tend to have concerns about. It was the biggest thing that I didn't like about Christian Watson was the competition he played against. And SDSU plays all the same teams that NDSU does. Um, I just, I really, really like Tucker craft. It's just like you look at all of his stats and grades across the board. And it's just a sea of green and blue, just no concerns or questions anywhere. Let's look at his uh, scouting profile. So this profile says he is projected to be a third or fourth round pick. He's currently being mocked at the very tail end of the second round, early third round, uh, on the consensus big board. Here's what his scouting report says. Strengths. Kraft has soft hands and uses his frame effectively to shield defenders, making him a major threat in the red zone. He can also turn upfield and break a tackle. Remember, he broke nine tackles this past year. Pretty good. Excellent as both a run and pass blocker, is a mauler in the run game, and maintains a powerful wide base while in limited action as a pass blocker. Has developed into a good athlete. Looked impressive at the combine where most of his measurables were in the top 75th percentile. Like I said, just a sea of green and blue everywhere. He's solidly above average in absolutely every category. Broad-shouldered, long-limbed, a smooth athlete who showed the ability to make plays downfield. Super versatile player. Can line up in line, outside, and in slot. We did see that. Very productive player. Uh, until an injury happened in 2022, he was a consistent major factor on offense. Uh, let me see here. Anything else interesting? Uh, enormous catch radius, shows the ability to get low to dig out passes, good effort at the point of attack, and second level as a blocker. Intelligent and will quickly acclimate to an NFL offense. For a an FCS guy at South Dakota State, that is a, a major endorsement. Weaknesses has a limited route tree at South Dakota and the routes he does run are too often rounded. So there's some polish to work on there. I'm not too concerned about that. This is one of the concerns I had with Christian Watson was that his route tree was just super limited. They didn't teach him very much um, at North Dakota state. Didn't seem to hinder him very much when he got to the Packers. They were like, we will coach you up my friend. Uh, let's see. Tucker Craft. While his hands are pretty good, he suffers from concentration drops due to turning and running before securing. He had two last year. Isn't going to overwhelm opposing DBs with elite speed and athleticism. Craft really isn't a burner and doesn't have elite suddenness and will struggle quickly making sharp cuts. Summary. Tucker Craft is a very solid pro tight end prospect. He has good measurables which were showcased in the combine drills, a very productive college play history, decent, but not great hands. And has also proved to be a major contributor as a blocker. He doesn't come out, come without reservation. However, as he still looks a little raw and has managed to get things done at the college level, mainly through athletic ability rather than technique, something he will not be able to do at the pro level. Kraft has an eventual starting potential at the next level and currently looks like a third or fourth round selection in the 2023 NFL draft. I would wholeheartedly endorse drafting this guy in the third round. Uh, if he's available in the fourth round, absolutely snap him up. There's just, there's nothing to be concerned about here with him. It's, it's just all upside and decently high floor. Um, I just, I just like him a lot. He's, uh, to me, he is Robert Tunyon, uh, but like 2.0, like the, the upgraded version of, of Robert Tunyon, who of course was, you know, had a lot of his own flaws and went undrafted. I think Tucker Craft is going to be a, a day two pick. I think it's about where he belongs. Um, and I, I think I, I could see him being a contributor by the end of his rookie year. Probably not going to come out and do a ton week one. Um, although you know there's there's a lot of opportunity for him, a lot of opportunity. I think if you draft him like the th- third round or so, you're expecting him to be a big part of your offense. I think Tucker Craft and Luke Schoonmaker seem like logical replacements for Mercedes and uh, Tunyon, and I do think the Packers should and will take multiple swings at tight end, draft tight end early and often. This year, um, you know, we, we kind of ran out of time today to touch on uh, Josh Weil and Zach Kuntz out of uh, Cincinnati and old dominion. Um, just the real high, high level stuff. Zach Kuntz has a 10 RAS. Josh Weil has an eight, nine, seven. Neither of them are super productive uh, in the receiving game. Both of them are, I, I would say more blockers than receivers. Uh, Zach Kuntz kind of struggled a bit as a pass blocker, but a, he didn't do it very much. He only did it 10 times. Josh Weil pass block 26 times. Um, there's, there's a bunch of people who have suggested that Josh Weil makes sense as a Josiah DeGuara replacement. I don't see that at all. They're totally different types of players. And I also don't think that Josiah DeGuara is going anywhere. I think that we like him. Um, but Josh Weil is six foot six. He's a big boy. Uh, Zach Kuntz is six foot seven. These are two big tight ends, <clears throat> both slightly on the skinny side for their height. I think they could stand to put on five ten pounds of muscle apiece. Um, across the board, no huge concerns other than just you know not fantastic receivers. Uh, Zach Kuntz, uh, eighty three passer rating when targeted, which is which is below average. Um, in fact, he's the only guy on my list who I've highlighted as being um, a, a dude who is uh, below average passer rating when he's targeted. Also with that Koontz, 71% of his catchable targets were receptions. That's pretty low. That is tied for the lowest on my entire list. Yards per route run, 1.26. Josh Weil is sitting at 1.11. Again, neither of these guys – do I think really add anything as a receiver, but they are interestingly both on the Felbans freaks list for 2022. You got Josh Weil coming in at 78 and Zach Kuntz was number 11. Both of those guys are projected fourth or fifth round. I wouldn't hate it. Um, Especially, you know, Zach Kuntz, you love the physical, uh, tools that he has. I think that he's very much a developmental guy. This is, I, I I almost would like describe Zach Coons as, I don't know. Yash is maybe a bad example because Yash was undrafted, but I'm trying to think of somebody who you draft like solely because they're an athlete and have nothing, has nothing to do with what type of player they are. I just feel like Zach is, extremely raw and moldable and you have to turn him into whatever he's going to be. I don't think he is anything right now other than an athlete. Uh, I guess I probably should also touch on Noah Gindorf before we wrap up here. Noah Gindorf falls into our tier three of he was uh, productive, but we don't have an RAS for him. um, So we just don't know looking at all of his measurables, you know, he just didn't participate in any of the drill, agility drills. We don't know how fast or explosive or strong he is. Um as a receiver, um he seems like he's got pretty sure hands. Uh 142.7 passer rating when targeted, 100% of of uh, catchable targets were caught. Um he was only targeted 8 times though, so it's a very limited sample size. Big guy, six foot five, two hundred and sixty-three pounds. Um, I don't really have any problem with Noah Gindorf. He is my tight end five overall. I do like him. Um I guess I just feel like his profile is a little bit incomplete. I do all right, I promise this is the last thing before we end. I'm I'm just gonna read his scouting report. Whatever you do, if you're a shallow person, don't look up a picture of Noah Gindorf. He looks like an eleven year old kid. He looks like uh, Opie from The Andy Griffith Show. Okay. Here we go. Strengths. Fluid mover capable of creating some separation over the middle of the field. Long arms, soft hands, sizable catch radius. Um, Consistently makes a clean catch. Catches well in traffic and shields the ball from defenders with his frame. Holds on despite being hit. Will fully extend, snatch, and stay in bounds. Um, I, I did see that a lot when I was watching his tape. I, I do really like Noah. Um, you know, in, in terms of things that concern me, it's, it's really just the limited sample size. He kind of hardly played at all in 2022. He only had 70 snaps as a tight end. I mean, just minuscule. Uh, sample size. Like we were complaining about Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave had, had uh, 80 snaps and and Gindorf has 70. So any of the con- uh, concerns I had about Musgrave are just amplified with, with Gindorf. <clears throat> uh, Sky report weaknesses. Play speed is less than elite. He won't run past defenders like he did at the college level. Again, he played at an FCS school played against the most garbage opponents you've ever seen in your life. Uh, he has problems with drops when coming back to the action. He has some issues against press coverage, sometimes spends too much time hand fighting at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you, you can, you can train that out of him. High cut frame and limited power in hands prevent a top blocking grade. Let's see, as a blocker, I mean, he, PFF liked him as a blocker a lot. 73.5 run blocking grades, 68.3 pass blocking. For a college tight end, that's about as good as it gets. Uh, let me see here. I mean, the only thing that you are kind of concerned about in his overall uh, athletic profile that we know of is that the bench was pretty low, 17th percentile for tight ends. Um, but, yeah, again, only concern that I have with, with Gindorf is just that it's such a small sample size, and so I don't really know where to project his value. Uh, let me see here, Gindorf. Currently like a really late round pick flirting with undrafted territory. Certainly a guy I would scoop up in like the sixth round. I'd be thrilled about him in the sixth round. No question about it. And and he might prove to be, you know, a very, very, very high level tight end. Um, His receiving grade through the roof, 89.7. I mean, it's a very small sample size. He only was targeted eight times. But, I don't know, I just, I like him a lot. But, I mean, when when I said he's flirting with undrafted territory, he's, um, according to NFL.com, NFL Mock Draft Database Consensus, PFF, 33rd team, draft buzz, he averages out as an eighth-round pick, which, of course, doesn't exist. 33rd team, by far the highest. So he's averaging 261 for everybody. 33rd team. Has him at two hundred five, which is substantially, substantially better. That that does put him within drafting territory. So, I mean, I, I like I said, sixth round. I think I'm fine with him. Um, you know, I, I don't think you need to wait until the seventh. In the fifth round, is this the guy you're going to go for? I guess I might if I was drafting, um, but. I, there, there's other good prospects available in the f- in the fifth round as well. I, I will say, I don't love the sixth and seventh rounds a ton this year in terms of what they look like just off of, you know, consensus mock drafts and mock draft simulators and all that. By the time you get into the sixth and seventh rounds, I, I feel like it's drier than it has been in, in the last couple of years. So at that point, you know, Gindorf absolutely coming off the the board for me in the sixth round. But, I would be okay with taking him earlier if you feel like you have an insight into what some of his uh, benchmarking is. And if you feel like there's not limitations there, but again, I just got to slap that incomplete grade on him. Cause we don't know anything about his agility or explosiveness um, or, you know, even a lot of his strength stuff. So man, he's got a big wingspan, eight foot wingspan. That's just incredible. <laughs> eight foot wingspan. My goodness. On a six foot, Uh, Six-foot, five-inch guy. Love it. Okay, so those are the guys. Um, You kind of heard my crushes, and obviously everybody knows who Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington uh, and Dalton Kincaid are. Um, You know, those are obviously exciting prospects to a lot of people. I think I'm lower on Kincaid and Washington than a lot of people are, and I think I'm higher on Michael Mayer than what his – Profile and stats and measurables should indicate. I think with Michael Mayer, I'm taking a little bit more of a feel approach. Like he just feels like a football guy. Like you just watch him. You just watch, you know, he just passes the naked eye test. You watch him and you're like, yeah, that's a guy who's going to succeed anywhere. (laughs) So, you know, and he's not the perfect prospect on paper, but I just think that he's, I think he has enough it that he's going to overcome all that. And that's super unsophisticated and not, you know, any kind of a scientific or objective way to look at this. But Michael Mayer is my tight end one. And then, I mean, honestly, I I like these guys that we talked about, Tucker craft and and Luke Schoonmaker and uh, Noah Gindorf, you know, these, these are some of the more, exciting interesting tight end prospects to me in this draft obviously would be through the roof if we got darnell washington but i think there's enough questions and concerns um about him just as a person that if the packers pass on him i'm not gonna be like oh you gotta be kidding me it's gonna be more like all right so i guess there really was some stuff there that that was concerning to him so all right, that's going to do it. We're going to get out of here. Thank you for listening to the tight end pod. I'm going to try and do the O-line pod later this week. Trying to get Brian Mafia on to join us. Uh Not positive that the schedules are going to line up, but he will be on a couple of pods for us down the stretch here, I promise. So uh, offensive line to come in a couple days. I will see you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.